Hey, Scott and John here with Bible Mysteries. We want to thank you for being a listener, but we'd love to invite you to become a subscriber. Absolutely. This will only help us to expand the amount of people that we're able to reach and show the secrets in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. And if you subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast, you get some great benefits. Access to every current episode, the full thing, even with our interviews and any special events we do. Plus, we have downloadable show notes. We have our community forum and Slack that you can join. And we have our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter. So for just $7 a month, you can help support us get the word out and defeat the satanic global elite. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 107, The Roman Empire, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. And I'm John Potts, and we're here to tell you about the things in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. So we're going to continue today and talk about some more things the world doesn't want you to know. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank, uh, again, our guest, Sylvia McKelvey, for a wonderful episode that, that she gave great. us. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And don't forget, you can see the entire uh, a video on uh, through our subscription service, Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast, and hear the whole thing as well. But today we're going to talk about the mystery Roman Empire, John. I like it. I think a lot of people think the Roman Empire ended many, many hundreds of years ago, but I think the Bible tells us maybe something else. You know? Okay. But before we get into that, I do want to give a shout out to some of our new subscribers again. So just as a, I like to go through 12 because that's the number of the apostles or disciples. And uh, so we want to shout out to 12 more new subscribers, and that's going to be Colin A., Eddie F., Tim N., Kyle M., Jason T., Blake G., Francis C., Jana P., Jude M., Dawn F., and Robbie D. Oh, and one more, Anthony J. So to all of you that have joined us at Bible Mysteries Premium, thank you so much. You truly are helping us get the word out. That Jana P. sounds familiar. That she sounds does. like my wife. <laughs> I think she is. How is my wife not a subscriber? <laughs> she is now. <laughs> Actually, this list is from uh, from the beginning of it. So she was one of the okay. first. I would say one of the first uh, 20 subscribers for That's sure. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so That's shout great. out to Jana. That's great. Thank you to all you folks that do that because we are trying to get this built up so we can reach as many people as possible. But also, we're trying to get this built up where Scott can do this on a full-time basis. Right, right? And, and so much more we'd like to do. I mean, you know, absolutely. on location, uh, you know, when we do these interviews and they're Zoom interviews, that's great. But they're so much better when we're in live and in person. I think the, the interviews with Ryan Peterson, where I got to meet him in person, was just one of the best. Yeah. So uh, more of that to come, folks, <laughs> as the resources become available and as the Lord sees fit. Yeah. So let's dive into this thing about the Roman Empire, John. Um, first of all, you know, um, the, the Bible prophesied of actually five kingdoms in the scriptures. Okay. Not counting all the different world governments and kingdoms and everything else that we could count, you know, and, and lose count for so many. But there were four uh, Gentile um, apostate kingdoms, and then the fifth kingdom is going to be the Lord when he comes back. And it's interesting that five is the number of grace, you know. Uh, okay. So the Lord's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, will be the fifth kingdom on the earth. Okay. But the first four uh, were prophesied while the first one was running and then the other three had yet to even be on the scene. Okay. And we find them in the book of Daniel. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 2, because that's where... The prophet Daniel had a vision, or, or actually he interpreted a dream or vision, that King Nebuchadnezzar had. Mm -hmm. Now, you might remember that name, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. He was the king of Babylon. And as it turns out, we'll see Babylon was the first kingdom 
in this list of prophetic kingdoms. Not the first kingdom that ever existed, but the first one that God recognizes in his prophetic timetable. Okay. Okay. So starting in Daniel chapter 2 and reading in verse 31, we see uh, Daniel telling what the dream was and giving the interpretation. He says, Thou, O king, he's talking to Nebuchadnezzar. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. So this was the dream Nebuchadnezzar has. He saw this big image or statue of some kind, and it was made of these composite pieces. Yeah. All right. And we're going to see what they represent in just a moment. But in verse 34, he says, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. So this stone cut without hands is going to be the thing that destroys the entire image, but it hits it in the feet and legs, which is the end of the kingdoms. It's going to be the last or the fourth of the kingdoms. Okay. Verse 35, then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, the entire thing, broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. Chaff is like when they winnow the wheat. It's the, the, you want the nut or the grain to come into the, the bowl to grind it. Yeah. And then all the light husk flies away in okay. the wind. You know? So it's all the leftover stuff. It's all the leftover. It's the stuff you don't want in your bread, yeah. you know. <laughs> It has become like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. So we're going to get back to the interpretation, but I'm going to kind of cut to the chase a little bit here for the sake of time. The kingdoms recognized by God in Scripture are Babylon, Media Persia, Greece, and Rome. And so we're going to be talking and focusing mostly about the Roman Empire today, but those historically occurred one right after another. It was the Persians that defeated Babylon. It was Alexander the Great that defeated Persia, and the Greek Empire took over. And then Rome ultimately conquered Greece, and that was the empire in the time of the birth and ministry of Jesus Christ. Okay. okay. So that's just a little bit of history for you so that and you can... each one of those is represented by these, um, by the gold, by the silver, the brass, and the iron? That's right. Okay. That's right. In the and dream. Then, and then you're going to come back around to where the clay comes into that? Yeah. So the clay we're going to find out has to do with mankind mixing with something else. Yeah. And we're going to read that too. It's not the focus of what we're going to be dealing with today, but it's important to know because I think that aspect of the kingdom is going to come in the future. Yeah. You know, so uh, let's read that part since you mentioned it in verse 37. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. And this is Daniel speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. You're the first king. You're the first of these kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Okay. So clearly we yeah. see Babylon sets the type, and it's the golden head of the image. After thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and that was Media Persia. And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And that ends up being Greece. And we know this historically, but we're also going to see other dreams that basically tell the same history with a different image. Okay. Okay. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. Now, this is the Roman Empire. And they were, in fact, the largest of the kingdoms and the most... um, cruel and punishing of the kingdoms yeah you know and when we look at it historically <clears throat> for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise so emphasis is placed on the fact that this fourth kingdom of iron is cruel and destructive yeah. and violent right and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron the kingdom shall be divided but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And the Roman Empire did divide historically uh, as it fell 
it split into east and west. And we had the western empires centered in the city of Rome. And the eastern empire was centered in the city of what used to be called Byzantium in Turkey. And it today is called Istanbul. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's right. And so uh, it was basically the eastern province turned into what we now know as Greek Orthodox. Okay. Uh, and they, they maintained their Greek language and heritage, whereas the Western Empire centered in Rome, and that became the Latin world, the Latin-speaking world, and the Catholic Church, and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So it's really interesting historically how all that took place. But back to this thing about iron and clay. The Rome is the fourth and strongest kingdom represented by the iron, which could destroy gold and silver and brass. Yeah. And then the miry clay, verse uh, 43 says... And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Now, you know, we've talked about this passage before. Yeah. And I believe it's a reference to the fallen angels intermingling with the seed of men as they did in Genesis 6. Perhaps maybe not through direct physical contact, but through, you know, genetic manipulation. Possibly alien yeah. abductions are being... I think it's interesting how this is phrased, and tell me if I'm interpreting this wrong, but it says, and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay. So then going back to angelic DNA mixing with human DNA, am mm-hmm. I correct there? Yeah. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean then that the iron being the Roman kingdom, mm-hmm. right, is ruled by the fallen angels? Is that a... Taking a stab in the dark there? No, you're absolutely right. And we know that angels rule over all the nations. Fallen angels are are in the spiritual realm ruling over them. But this seems to imply that they're going to be on the earth. And we know there's a battle coming where the angels of Satan, the dragon, are cast out by Michael and his angels in Revelation 12. And they'll be confined to the earth. So to me, that's the culmination of this. When they come down, that final empire is going to be the empire, as we're going to see, of the Antichrist. And we'll even see how the type of that in the the days of Jesus laid the foundation for (laughs) what's going to occur in the last days. It's really interesting. It says, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So that doesn't mean that they attempt to mix the DNA, but it's not successful? I, I honestly think the word cleave is the key to understanding that. Because when God made Adam and Eve, he said, Thus a man shall leave his father and his mother yeah. and cleave unto his wife. And the twain shall be one fe- flesh. We're talking mm-hmm. about Genesis chapter 2. Yeah. So, um, and then in Genesis 6, it said, When the sons of God took the daughters of men, they took them to wife. Yeah. So the implication is they actually went in unto them as a man would go into a woman to conceive and have a child. Yeah. And then it says that the, that the children that were born unto these women in Genesis 6, they were giants, the Nephilim. Yeah. Yeah. So I think cleave is the optimal word there because if it says they shall not cleave unto them, to me it means we are genetically so inferior to where we were in the days of the sons of Noah, yeah. you know, the, the children of, of Adam in the days of Noah that I don't think we genetically can mix with the angels. So they're going to have to do it through artificial means, Hmm. probably. That's my guess. Wow. Yeah, that would be my guess. Because the word cleave seems to be an interesting word to put there. Yeah. And we think of cleave as cutting in two, but the Bible uses that as joining together. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't that wild how words change? I think it's interesting that it says that they... They shall not cleave one to another. Yeah. So it's almost like there's an attempt, but it's not successful. Right. And I, 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 that does seem to be what it's saying. I, and it may, it, it won't be successful in the end anyway, because the Lord comes back. Yeah. But will there be Nephilim hybrids at the time? I believe there will, hmm. just as there were. But I just don't think it's going to be through taking wives. I think it's going to be through genetic manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my take on it. So. Rome will be the global kingdom that is the most oppressive, according to that prophecy. Mm -hmm. And it says it devours in pieces. Now, that was Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel interpreted. And John, Daniel himself had a dream in chapter 7, which was very different than the dream Nebuchadnezzar had, but with the same interpretation, just another aspect of it. So go to Daniel 7, 
And for our listeners, we're going to start reading in verse 1, but you're going to see that by now, uh, Daniel's um, uh, still in captivity. The Israelites were carried captives by Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar has now died, and another king reigns in his stead. His name is Belshazzar. Okay. So just so you'll know, the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. So this is Daniel's dream. And then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And by the way, that is a reference to something that actually happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He was given the heart of a beast for seven years, and he ate grass in the field. Uh, But um, this is another picture of Babylon. The lion is Babylon. Verse 5, And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. That makes me think of last weekend where we ate ribs at your house. (laughs) And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And that represents the Persian Empire. Verse 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. And that's the Grecian Empire, and it's representative of uh, Alexander the Great of Macedon conquered Persia. And that empire was the Greek Empire till Rome. He died a young man. He was 33 years old when he died of, I I think, like a childhood disease. Um, And he had no children, so he had no heirs. Okay. So he left his kingdom to the four generals that were his ranking generals in his army because they were the reasons why he conquered everything. And uh, so the four wings and the four heads represent those four generals. And as it turns out, two of those generals are the focus of some other prophecies in Daniel because the one from the north was um, Seleucid, if I'm not mistaken. That was his name, the Greek general. And the one to the south was Ptolemy. And Ptolemy controlled Egypt and the southern part of the empire. And Seleucid controlled like Syria and the northern part of the empire. Hmm. And there's going to be wars in the last days between the king of the north and the king of the south. So it's sort of an offshoot of those two Greek Generals. I like it. But anyway, we're going to get to verse 7. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, not legs at this time, but teeth. Yeah. It devoured and break in pieces, same as the one did in, in Daniel 2, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, this is, again, Rome, the, yeah. the Iron Kingdom, and the fourth beast. But this beast isn't given a description. We had something of a lion, the first one, a bear, yeah. the second, and a leopard. But this one just says, says it was dreadful and terrible. Uh, and we're actually going to see that that beast uh, is described in Revelation because this very dream that Daniel has is also the same vision that John was given in the, in the apocalypse. Okay. So we're going to go back and look at that in just a moment. But before we leave Daniel, I want you to go back to chapter 2. Because as Rome is the fourth kingdom in both instances, what I'm going to try to posit today is that the Roman Empire wasn't actually destroyed. It went into mystery form. Okay. And it will be re, uh, revitalized or uh, resurrected, so to speak, before the Lord comes back. So what do you mean by that? Do you mean that it's not that it's in hiding or behind the scenes, or has it just been broken up, for lack of better terms, but it's still there? Right? I think it's both. Okay. It's hiding behind the scenes, secretly broken up and running things. Behind. So it's individual countries or, mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's this country over here in the Western Hemisphere, maybe these two or three countries over here in, yeah. in, in Europe, maybe and this And particularly country. in the West. But it's all still the Roman Empire, right? And it's all going to come back together yep. in the end times? And when, you st- when we look at the, uh, if we get to it today, if we look at the um, symbols of Rome, and the parallels we can draw now, it's kind of 
frightening. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. So anyway, I want to read one verse before we leave Daniel, because in chapter 2, right after we read about the iron and the miry clay, and we see that that was the fourth empire, the, the iron empire, the fourth beast empire, Yeah. Uh, it says in verse 44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall be not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And we're going to see that the God of heaven's kingdom is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Yeah. So the kingdom of heaven, by prophecy, is going to arrive. In other words, the Lord's going to come back during the Roman Empire. During the fourth beast or the fourth yeah. kingdom. So that right there tells us that there's something going on with Rome. It's all is not as it seems. Hmm. Now, mentioning Daniel chapter 7 with the four beasts that rose up out of the sea, that dream Daniel had is fulfilled in the book of Revelation chapter 13. So we'll turn to Revelation 13 because while Daniel saw a prophetic picture of it, uh, in, in one aspect of a dream, John literally was taken forward in time to write as it happened. Okay. So Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, he says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now Daniel saw four beasts. Yeah. You remember? Yeah. And one after another. John sees one beast because he's looking from the vantage point of the, the future. Yeah. Daniel wrote prophetically, he was before the beasts arrived. Yeah. Now John is he was writing during looking, the kingdom of Babylon. That's right. So the first beast was just coming up out of the yeah. sea. Whereas uh, John writes, all four beasts have already arisen and been had their place in history. Okay. Yeah. So he says, uh, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And in a moment, we're going to see that this beast is the fourth beast, the fourth kingdom. It's a composite of the other three, mm -hmm. and it's a dragon. Okay. So whereas uh, Daniel just described it as a dreadful, exceedingly dreadful and terrible beast, and he didn't give it an animal image, John gives it an animal image, and we find out it's a dragon. Okay. So it has seven heads, ten horns. Verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, aspects of Greece, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, aspects of Persia, okay. and the, uh, his mouth as the mouth of a lion, aspects of Babylon, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And of course, the dragon is the serpent, Satan. But this beast is a dragon, so he's like the political embodiment of Satan. Okay. That's what we're looking at there. Verse 3. And I saw one of his heads, he's got seven, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And here we have the word beast, and now we know who this is. It's the Antichrist. Yeah. So he's going to be the primary emperor or ruler or king over the Roman Empire. Yeah. He's a Roman king. And I don't mean Roman in that he's from Italia, Italy or he's Italian or he's from Rome. Yeah. But he's the, the king over that empire, yeah. right? Verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months, which equals three and a half years. So this is his rise up out of the sea to take his position of authority and power, not necessarily the beginning of his life or anything or the beginning of uh, exploits that he's going to do, but where he's going to declare himself to be God. So it's the beginning so this, of his end. Is this at the beginning of the tribulation or is it in the, the middle? Mid, this is at the midpoint. Yeah. Okay. I would say this is the middle of the of the seven years of tribulation. Okay. Because he rises up out of the sea. And it's it's sort of like a picture of the whole thing. You know, mm -hmm. he rises out of the sea maybe at the beginning of the seven years, but the fulfillment of his blasphemy is in the middle. Okay. In the, in after three and a half years, and he'll continue his oppressive, destructive, persecuting iron breaking into pieces behavior yeah. for 42 months. Okay. All right. Now, Rome will be the kingdom of the Antichrist then. It's the fourth beast, a seven-headed dragon, which is a composite of all the other kingdoms. And this one king encapsulated in the beast is the man of sin, mm -hmm. the son of perdition. 
and probably a Nephilim hybrid himself, I think fathered by Satan himself. Wow. Yeah. Now, I mentioned that Rome didn't get destroyed or didn't fall apart. You know, Rome fell. They say Rome fell. Well, it, it did maybe in one aspect. Okay. But it is in mystery form. And I say that because there's biblical precedent for it. The Bible doesn't say mystery Rome or Rome went into mystery form. But we do learn this about what Jesus said in Matthew 13. So go with me to Matthew 13. Because Jesus Christ uh, didn't start speaking in parables until Matthew chapter 13. He was speaking openly and plainly for 12 chapters of Matthew. And in chapter 12, some leaders of Israel uh, blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Okay. And when they did that, from that point forward, he started speaking in parables. And he tells his first parable in Matthew chapter 13. I'm not going to read it. It's a parable of the sower and the seed. But in verse 10, we read, after he tells this first parable, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Implying that he hadn't done this before. Yeah. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. So the kingdom of heaven went into mystery form here. Okay. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. And I think he's referring to faith. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. He's talking about unbelieving Israel. Mm -hmm. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For the heart of this people, or this people's heart is Israel, is waxed gross, become thick like a callus. Okay. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, he says to the twelve, for they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. So I believe that the kingdom of heaven went into mystery form right here due to that blasphemy spoken. Okay. And he, he told many parables as a result of that. So there's precedent for a kingdom going into mystery form. Had Israel accepted the offer, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it would have gone right into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Maybe yeah. the tribulation first. Yeah. But uh, they didn't. And so it went into this form of a mystery. Well, the devil has his own form of a mystery, and Rome isn't mentioned in it, but Paul does mention it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which uh, both Thessalonian books have a lot to do with the Antichrist, especially 2 Thessalonians. But in chapter 2, we'll start reading in verse 7. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. That's the beast, mm -hmm. the Antichrist, um, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. We saw that in Daniel 7, uh, Daniel 2. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the ones who reject the truth, just as those Pharisees, you know, couldn't see the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, so will these unbelievers not be able to see the deception that's coming. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. And they'll fall for it, which I think has to do with taking the mark of the beast. Yeah. All right. 
So there we have it, the mystery of iniquity, Satan's kingdom, which is the kingdom of the Antichrist, because remember, he operates through human proxies, uh, went into mystery form as well, and it's called the mystery of iniquity. Can I ask you a quick question on this? Absolutely. What does this phrase mean? Only he who now letteth will let. What, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a whole episode we've done on on and Bible teachings I've done on Sunday on this because it's one of those verses that everybody wants to know what that yeah. means. Trying and to figure that out. It means that something called a he yeah. is holding back, withholding the revealing of the Antichrist. Yeah. And it happens to be you and me. So it's the body of Christ. It's the is body that of what Christ. that is? Absolutely, okay. yeah. It's the church, which is in the world today. Because we're delivered from the wrath to come, the Lord's going to take us yeah. out of the way. And when we go, all the bars are opened. All the gates. Yeah, that's, I mean, when I read that, that's what I derived from that. But mm-hmm. I just wasn't sure, right? Because it, yeah. sa- it says he, which makes it sound like a person. I'm going, yeah. who is this, right? But then I thought it's got, it's, so the body of Christ has got to come out. Before yeah. the wicked one can be revealed, that's right. Which means you, we have to leave prior to the seven-year tri- tribulation. We do, and we, you know, we're the body of Christ, where Christ is the head, and we are His members. So it's a mm-hmm. male body in, yeah. in a spiritual sense, yeah. right? You know, we're male and female, we're bond and free, we're Jew and Gentile, we're all that in Christ, but we're identified as the body of Christ, and He's the man, Christ Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So He will be taken out of the way. Has to be us because we're delivered from the wrath to come. Okay. All right. So. Christ then um, preached the kingdom of heaven. It was rejected by the nation. It went into mystery form. Mm -hmm. Satan, what we're going to find out, had the world when Christ arrived. So much so that he offered the kingdoms of the world to Jesus in Luke 4. We're going to go there now, but I'm going to just mention that while we're turning. And and we're going to read a passage that tells us something about how he came to that power. But when Christ was crucified, buried, and raised again, he defeated Satan at the cross. Satan had no idea that was going to be his undoing. He thought he defeated the Son of God. Yeah. But through his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ defeated death and sin, and we now have eternal life through him. So the gospel began to spread, and no matter how hard Christ, or rather, no matter how hard Satan tried to persecute Christ, He couldn't stop the spread of the gospel and it grew and multiplied and men came out of darkness that he had them all in darkness. The world prior to Jesus, the world, except for Israel, had no light. You know, Israel and they rebelled against God time and time again, but they at least they have the oracles of God and the law and they had the prophets. But the world was wholly given to the worship of devils and idolatry and they were under Satan's power. Yeah. So in Luke chapter 4, if you look at it in verse um, 5, this was when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. It says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Uh, talk about time travel, right? And the devil mm-hmm. said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. So he was saying, hey, give up this whole thing about obeying the Lord and dying for sins or whatever and worship me and you can have all the kingdoms of the world because I've got them. They're in my control. And he didn't get them because of Adam's sin. Man was given dominion of the earth. Remember? Yeah, so yeah. He got them through proxy, through worship. Yeah. Men turned and they worshiped whatever the name was, Baal, Asherah, yeah. uh, you know, Isis, Zeus, Apollo, Jupiter. And as we're going to find out, the God of Rome, the principal God, was Jupiter, mm-hmm. who is Satan. Yeah. So, so uh, how was the power of all the kingdoms delivered unto Satan? Through the worship of him. At this point in time, do you, <clears throat> Satan knows that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, yeah. Do you believe that? Oh, he's known him for he, millennia. Okay. Yeah. I just think it's very uh, arrogant yeah. that he says to them, him, if you will worship me, all yeah. shall be. I mean, it's like. <laughs> it's amazing, huh? I, the arrogance of Satan. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean. Now, he he didn't know him in the human form of Jesus of Nazareth. But he, he knew who he was 
He knew that the pre-incarnate Son of God was in Christ Jesus, okay. that he was fully God and fully man. And so, yeah, the audacity of him. It's like you're saying to the Creator, I'll give you what you created. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. makes, doesn't make any sense, right? It just but, shows you how his wisdom and his beauty corrupted him. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets into a whole thing we'll, we're going to have to talk about in another episode about the secret knowledge uh, that God gave to man, or not the secret knowledge, but the wisdom God gave to man from the beginning, and how the corrupted form of it was made secret into the mysteries and the occult societies and uh-huh. masonry and all that stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Anyway, just to, to remind our listeners without dwelling on the point, Psalm 115, 16 says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. And so that dominion was given to mankind in the beginning when he gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the earth, and over the cattle, and over all the earth in Genesis 1, when God made man. So people think, well, Adam sinned, and that's how he relinquished control of the earth. He didn't. Yeah. Because if that were true, then Satan and his angels would have destroyed us. They would have just come down and invaded and taken. Yeah. But they don't. They still operate through their human proxies because they're limited in what they can do. And the reason they're limited is because only man can relinquish his dominion of the earth, Hmm. Uh, either voluntarily delivering his dominion to another, uh, which uh, by either contract or through worship. And Satan uh, is going to be the one to get that contract, so to speak, through his human proxies and, and the Nephilim. In wow. the future, that's what we talk about the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset. Everything is about gaining control of all the property and wealth so that they can t- deed the title of the earth to their God. Wow. Which is Satan. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty frightening when you think about it. So, talking about the time of Christ when he was born, he came into the world when Rome controlled the entire world, the known world. Yeah. And men were wholly given to idolatry. And as a matter of fact, you know, Rome is interesting because it started out as a republic once okay. it grew into a, a civilization. And then it, it then it devolved into an empire. Okay. So you think about like Star Wars and the, the, the Galactic yeah. Republic turns into the empire, right? Yeah. And it went really bad. Well, the emperors, uh, once that started with uh, Augustus, I think, uh, Caesar Augustus, and his his very name means the the one who should be elevated or, or worshipped, okay. August. You okay. know, uh, they started the worship of emperors. So the 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 idolatry of Rome melded with the worship of Jupiter, as we're going to see, and, and added to it the worship of emperors like Satan and the Antichrist. Wow, okay. it's a picture of that. So the world was already under that darkness when Christ started his ministry. So go to Matthew four. And we're going to read about um, something that John uh, said. Uh, or actually, uh, yeah, something that the, uh, Matthew wrote this in verse 16. Matthew 4, 16. Uh, and it's a fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus would come from Nazareth. And it says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. So the darkness of satanic worship covered the earth when Christ arrived. Wow. And that's that's the, the realm into which he started his ministry. It's the realm into which he's going to return. That the world will be under the control of Satan again uh, because Christ and the gospel removed that power from him. Uh, it's still He's still the God of this world, but he didn't have full ultimate control like he did with Rome. There wasn't one single empire controlling the entire earth hmm. uh, until after the gospel until now. It's, we're heading that way now. Yeah, It's coming back, the Roman Empire coming back. So that's why it went into mystery form. Even Paul was told by Christ in Acts 26, if you turn there, Acts chapter 26, and this is the encounter of Paul meeting Christ on the road to Damascus, or it's actually him giving an account of that event. And Jesus was speaking to him in verse 16. It says, um, uh, But rise and stand upon thy feet, Jesus is telling Paul. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, which is Israel, and from the Gentiles, 
unto whom now I send thee. And by the way, it's important for you to know that Jesus' earthly ministry was focused on Israel. He even told the 12 not to go to Gentiles. Yeah. Now Paul is being called to go directly to Gentiles. So this the, the message is going global, yeah. so to speak. Okay. And so he says to the Gentiles, verse um, 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Why were they in darkness? And from the power of Satan unto God. Satan mm-hmm. and his darkness and his power controlled the world at that time. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So Satan had, and he still does have, the power of darkness to blind men into worshiping him. And that power was broken through the the gospel Hmm. over the years, over the centuries. But at the time that Christ came, that was the control that he had over the world. Now, we're going to take a moment to give a brief history lesson about Rome and the ancient Roman worship of Jupiter. Okay. And you can, I'll put the links to these. Uh, this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. But it says Jupiter, also called Jove. In Latin, it was Iupiter, Iovis, or Diespiter, if I'm saying that right. He was the chief ancient Roman and Italian god, like Zeus the Greek god, which was his equivalent in Greece, okay. with whom he is etymologically identical. And his root word means bright. Jupiter was a sky god. One of his most ancient epithets is Lucetius, light bringer. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. And later, literature has preserved the same idea in such phrases as sub-love under the open sky. And I don't know what sub-love means, but uh, Lucetius, Lucifer. Yeah. Light bringer. Lucifer means light bearer. Yeah. So Jupiter is the equivalent of Satan in its pagan worship aspects. Yeah. So was Zeus, so was Baal, but, but you get the idea. So Rome worshipped Jupiter, and since they were the empire that took over the world at the time, the world was in darkness to Satan. Okay. It was his empire. And you think, well, that was the dragon. Where was his um, where was his uh, antichrist at the time? His, his historical equivalent would have yeah. been the emperor's. Right. Yeah. So we'll come okay. back to that in just a moment. But it's interesting thing about Jupiter. If we go to Revelation chapter two, another little historical footnote. Christ gives the revelation uh, and he addresses in the beginning of the book, the seven churches of Asia. And one of those churches was in Pergamos, a city in Western Asia. Okay. So in chapter two, verse 12, we read, and to the angel, of the church of Pergamos, write. These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. So Satan dwells in Pergamos. That's where his seat is. And and by seat, it's like a throne. Okay. So... Obviously, there's something cryptic being said here yeah. because Satan is not dwelling physically on the earth. You know, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the yeah. god of this world. But he doesn't have the ability to come down and remain here. He can wander to and fro. So what does the seat mean? Well, when we study the history of Pergamos, here's what we learn. Pergamos was a city of heathen temples and a pantheon of pagan deities. All of the gods had their temples there. Okay. Okay. Jupiter was said to have had his origin there. And to him and other Greek and Roman gods were erected many beautiful and costly temples, giving it the name of the city of temples. Okay. So when you think about it, Pergamos is the city of temples. Well, that would be the seed of Satan. Yeah. All the idolatry centered in that one city. Right. It was the metropolis of heathen deities. Temples were built and dedicated to Jupiter, Zeus, the same gods. Athena, Dionysius, and Asclepius. I can't even say that word. Asclepius, the Greek god of medicine, and also called the god of Pergamum. There's something interesting about the god of medicine because it says it was also, uh, well, we'll get back to that in a minute. It was also the center of emperor worship. We'll come back to the Mm, emperor worship shortly. In AD 29, which is still in the time of Jesus' life, a great temple was erected to the worship of Augustus Caesar, who was to be prayed to as Lord Caesar. 
Domitian decreed that all people should address him as our Lord and our God. Wow. That sounds like the Antichrist right there. Yeah. So Caesar Augustus was the first emperor that was worshipped as a god and had his own temple in Pergamos, you know. Uh, the temple of Zeus was the most celebrated of all the temples of Pergamos, and Zeus is Jupiter, and was dedicated to Asculapius, the serpent god, or god of healing. It was also known as the temple of Asculapius, who was called the great physician and the savior. Isn't that interesting? Jesus yeah. Christ is known <coughs> as the great healer. <coughs> He was also given other titles showing that he was a counterfeit of Christ. In this temple, a living serpent was kept and worshipped. Serpent. Serpent worship hmm. was so universal in Pergamos that many coins have been found with a picture of a serpent entwined around a pole. It is unfortunate that this pagan emblem of healing has become the caduceus of the modern medical profession. Wow. Your wife might know something about this, right? Yeah. But <clears throat> the caduceus is that symbol of medicine, which is the two snakes or the yeah. snake wrapped around that pole. It's satanic. It's a satanic symbol of the serpent god, Ascepolis, or however you say his name. And it, it's, it's an indicative of the people that used to worship the god of healing. So in the temple of Zeus, many miracles of healing were supposed to have been performed. In connection with this temple was also a famous school of medicine. And isn't it interesting how today it seems with the pandemic and all that stuff that the medical community is surrendering to the satanic global elite. Yeah. Whereas at once it seemed like they were sort of autonomous. They all lockstep fell in line with the dictates of the satanic elite. I think it's also very interesting how we know that everything you need to heal yourself is found in nature. Right? Yeah. So we know that God has provided everything we need to heal ourselves, right? Through a holistic approach. Now, maybe not everything, but you know what I mean? For the most part, sure. you can keep yourself healthy and well throughout your life. But then when you look at the medical community, and I'm not laying blame on anybody sure, I understand. like that. But you go have a surgery, all of a sudden the doctor gives you a prescription for some kind of painkiller, prescription runs out, you're addicted to the painkiller, oh, you try to get more, well then that person goes to the street to buy some other kind of painkiller. I mean, it just, yeah. it, it just seems like there's so much going on behind the scenes there that, you know. And it's interesting that in the kingdom, when the Lord does come back, Trees will be for the healing of the nations. Okay. So just what you said, maybe we, and it's probably one of those things where we did have that knowledge in the beginning yeah. of what we could eat to be healed or what we could take to be healed without artificial type things. Yeah. Pharmacopoeia, yeah. which in the Greek New Testament is translated as sorcery. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> in the book of Revelation. Uh, so yeah, you get, make a good point, John, and and it's just a, it just shows you how everything seems to be falling in line under Satan's power. Yeah. His power of darkness is growing every minute, which is why we're trying to get this word out. Exactly, it, it's so important that we do. Now we mentioned worshiping um, Augustus as a as a god, even yeah. though he was just a man and an emperor, and I believe he's the equivalent of Antichrist in his human aspect. Um, from Wikipedia, we see that later on, the Roman worship of emperors was added to the pantheon of the gods. Okay. In particular, Jupiter is the chief deity. <clears throat> Octavian himself took the name Augustus, a term indicating a claim to reverence. In other words, he was Caesar Octavius, and then he became Caesar Augustus. Okay. Changed his name, which means, you know, I'm, I'm instead of being eight whatever that was, Octavius, yeah. uh, he's uh, godlike. <clears throat> it didn't make him a god in his lifetime, but it combined but combined with the insertion of his newman and his genius, originally the procreative power that enables a family to be carried on into certain cults, it prepared the way for his posthumous deification, just as Caesar had been deified before him. Both were deified by the state because they seemed to have given Rome gifts worthy of a god. And it's interesting to note that the state set up the worship of the emperors. Mm -hmm. okay. The state will set up the worship of the Antichrist. Okay. The government is going to be the one to force people to take the mark. Wow. Just as a certain 
uh, push, very hard push for people to take certain medicinal oh, yeah. uh, functions. I was just thinking that. And, how hard they pushed for that. I mean, it was yeah, a propaganda campaign. Absolutely. And a precursor to the mark of the beast. Yeah. And I want to say it very clear. I do not believe this particular medical aspect was or is the mark of the beast. Yeah. It's not. It was a means test to see how compliant humanity would be. And I think we failed the test and we're ready. It was definitely a fire drill. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And on that note, John, I think uh, we're at 45 minutes here, and I feel like I've got too much to do to do this justice okay. in you one episode. Two. It would be a long episode if we did that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, end it now, and we're going to pick up next week with part two of the Mystery Roman Empire. Okay, perfect. If you're okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and if our listeners are okay with that. So once again, thank you, John, Yeah, good info. for being here. And thank you for watching and listening today. Don't forget to share this uh, information with your friends and encourage them to join us and be a part of our campaign to expose the fraud of the satanic global elite. Awesome. Maybe that's what we need to use, the word campaigners. We need, yeah. we need a good word for our subscribers. Maybe you could, if anybody wants to make suggestions, you can write me. And uh, you can go to utbnow.com if you want to to, yeah. to contact us. Trying to have come up with a good name for the subscribers. Yeah, that's a great idea to well, have the yeah. folks out there give us the names. We're trying to find out. We're trying to. We're all in this together, yeah. right, to support this ministry and get the word out. But we don't want to call it followers or yeah, or we want it whatever. To be all these something that's subscribers. Uh, we want to create, active, yeah, right? Well, yeah, but, we're uh, all in it together. But so. it shows how we're partnering together. Yeah, so. So. yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Well, all right. Well, once again, we thank you for joining us on Bible Mysteries. Until next week, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode, and we so much appreciate you sharing with others and your friends and tell them about the show. And we'd also love it if you'd one more time consider joining Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast as a subscriber. Absolutely. And keep in mind that your subscription helps us get the word out to as many people as we can possibly reach. So we appreciate you partnering with us. Don't forget, it's BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. And thanks again for joining us today.